Well, we welcome everybody to this week's edition of View from the Press Box. I'm Scott Hogan. Joining me as always is Brad Hallier. It is playoff time for high school football, Brad, and the weather really supposed to turn for those teams that are playing Friday or um, the few that are playing Saturday or the college games on Saturday. We're really supposed to get a little dose of uh, winter coming up, so it's, uh, it's, it's feeling a lot like postseason football time. Yeah, I saw a lot of games were being played Thursday. I don't know if that was due to availability, referees, or if they wanted just to, to try to beat the weather. I mean, I don't think Friday's supposed to be that bad. Uh, it's supposed to definitely really cool down, you know, some 20 degrees or so. But, um, uh, it's, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is when it's going to be a real struggle out there. Yeah, those uh, college games or uh, I think uh, I think your daughter's supposed to play soccer on Saturday. That could be a that could be an adventure in the rain and the cold, but uh, – I'll be in a press box, so what do I care? <laughs> I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's attack the uh, high school schedule. Let's look what Ad Astra is going to have, and then we'll maybe just peruse the brackets a little bit to see some of the interesting games. We'll look at, of course, Ad Astra starting on Thursday night, mostly eight-man going on, Little River hosting Oxford, Attica Argonia at Mound Ridge, Dighton at Kinsley. Uh, Colony Crest at Canton Galva, Cherryvale at Humboldt, Central Christian host St. Paul, and Douglas at Lions, the one eleven man game that Ad Astra is carrying. Any, any of those games uh, kind of stand out on the schedule that you think, hey, that might be a really good first round game? Well, I don't know if it's going to be a really good game, but the one that kind of pops out to me a little bit is an eight man one where you got Mound Ridge hosting Argonia Attica. You know, Argonia Attica has been a traditional eight-man power and Mounder just kind of like the new eight-man power just for this year because they're going back to 11-man next year but uh, Argonia Attica is five and three this year with losses to undefeated Central Burden undefeated South Sumner Academy, uh, County and, and Oxford so uh, or one loss uh, South Sumner County who lost to Central Burden so some pretty good losses on at Argonia Attica's schedule um, I, I don't want to go so as far as saying that Argonia Attica's got a chance here but uh, that's that's a pretty tough first round matchup for a team like Moundridge who's undefeated. That's exactly what I thought. It's like, wow, the uh, the district across from Mound Ridge is really, really good. So um, I, I think they'll win at home. But yeah, that could be an interesting one. I really I think the one in Little River could be just because of the the youth of Little River this year. I, I don't look for them to lose this game, but I don't look for them to um, get very deep into the playoffs as we've grown accustomed to the last few years. Yeah, actually, I kind of like Little River's draw a little bit. Um, I agree that, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't expect them to, to, to lose to Oxford, but, uh, you know, West Oak is always kind of an interesting team. They, 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 always, they don't always play the toughest of schedules, and Burlingame does. So that's uh, – I, I don't know. I think um, Little River's path to the quarterfinals, I think when you look at some of these other little four-team brackets – uh, I would take theirs almost almost over anybody else's. And then uh, Canton Galva is an intriguing team to me. They're, they're kind of in the boat of Little River, um, very young this year, but still, um, of course, in Division Two, still a really solid team hosting Colony Crest. Do you think they have a chance to make a run? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. Um, tough second-round matchup potentially awaits for them against Frankfurt, who's only losses are to Axtell, the reigning champion and the consensus top team in eight-man division two, and Linden, uh, the consensus n- number two team in eight-man division one. So uh, Frankfurt's a very good team. So, uh, you know, that, that'll be a good second-round test for uh, for Canton Galva. Yes, it will. I think uh, eight-man is always can, is going to be really intriguing, especially um, when you get into some of those long road trips that you can have um, in eight-man. Friday night, uh, huh, Brad, Smoky Valley at Scott City. The murderer's row probably will come to a conclusion finally for Smoky Valley after they picked up a win last week against Nickerson. Ulysses at Bueller, Marysville at Heston, the game that I have. Southern Coffee County at Pawnee Heights in six-man. Mulvane at McPherson, Iola at Parsons, Trinity Catholic at Plainville. Uh, your game, Hillsboro at Kingman. Ellis at Sterling, I believe that is reversed. I think Sterling has to travel to Ellis yep. for that ball. Yeah, that's right. I think it got on here wrong. And then Wabunsi at Marion. Marion coming off that 
tight loss to Sedgwick last week. Uh, I think my game, Brad, four and four, Heston, three and five, Marysville. Uh, Heston's played a good schedule as they always do, but Marysville also has played a, a pretty good schedule. I, I think this has got, it's got potential to be a close game. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Marysville usually plays a pretty good schedule, as you said. Uh, Heston has definitely played a, a good schedule this year. So, uh, so sometimes in first-round playoffs, it's it's kind of hard to find, you know, the, the, the really intriguing games for a couple reasons. But, one, you th- you just look at the matchup, you know it's going to be a blowout. Or, two, the, the teams plays are so far apart and they play such differing schedules that it's hard to compare. Mm-hmm. It is when you, when you get to different regions and some of the classes, you just there's no common opponents. Um, the schedule's so much different; it is hard to kind of get a feel. Kind of like Sterling at Ellis, um, Black Bears five and three. They've had a good season. We, we've talked a lot about that district was really tough. I know that they're the uh, road team here, but I really feel like they can go to Ellis and pick up a victory. Yeah, they could. Uh, I don't think that was the strongest of districts. I thought that's not to say that those teams aren't good, but um, you know, I just kind of look at uh, the 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 district that they played in, and you know, Plainville won the district. They're five hundred on the season, but their non district schedule was really really tough. But uh, I think, yeah, I, I do think uh, Sterling will have a, a, a puncher's chance. Uh, the only thing is, that's a long long road trip. Mm to take and uh ellis even though they really don't have any wins of note they still have won three in a row so they're feeling pretty good about the way that they're playing right now and your game i think has potential i think kingman will will beat hillsborough but hillsborough again has played a tough schedule they they they've played in some close games i I think that one can be um, intriguing on friday night as well yeah, five and three Hillsborough, and really no losses to speak or losses that you would think that wow, why'd they lose that game? Uh, the only thing is, you know, Kingman's going to be a little hungry after that uh, tough loss to Garden Plain on Friday. I tell you, watch out for Garden Plain. Absolutely, that's a very fast turnaround there in uh, Garden Plain. Great job uh, by the coaching staff. So let's kind of look just briefly at each of the brackets, and it was it was strange as we look at the top six a five a. And we'll talk about our uh, the game time game of the week here in a moment. Um, it was again hard to find those matchups that just kind of jumped off the page at you. Um, as I, I look down through here, I know Junction City hosting Wichita Heights at your eight nine game five and three five and three. I I really feel like Junction's got quite a heads up in that game. They they've played a really tough schedule. I think Heights feasted on some of the bottom dwellers there in the city league. Uh, you know, you just, you just go all the way through there and there's just nothing that really jumps off the page. Now the second round could be absolutely fantastic. You could have Lawrence visiting Derby. Uh, you could also have East and Northwest in a rematch. That was an East upset earlier in the season. That could be a great game. Um, so you got some potential in the second round, anything that you saw in 6A? I mean, not really. I mean, I think most of those matchups seem to be pretty cut and dry, especially on the western half of the brackets. I really don't see any lower seeds. Just nothing stands out to me, Scott. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't see any of the lower seeds with maybe the exception of Wichita Heights. I mean, maybe the exception of them. But as you said, I think Junction City's schedule has been a lot more – uh, difficult, and they, they they host, and Wichita Heights doesn't usually travel very far for their game, so uh, I, I just don't see it. And kind of the, the same way in 5A, um, I just didn't see anything. You know, you think, oh, that's a uh, opportunity for a huge upset. Now, I think the 8-9 game, 6-2 uh, Salina Central hosting 5-3 and three, Great Bend, I think that could be I think that could be a really good game. Um, when you say it, May South hosting Bishop Carroll, you think, oh, wow, that'll be a good game. But I tell you, I, I've seen Carroll a couple of times this year, Brad. They are, they're way down from what we're used to. Um, Hutch, I think, will take care of West at home. 
and again, maybe Hayes Valley Center. Valley Center's played a tough schedule. That could be a good game, the 7-10 matchup. Again, uh, what intrigued you in 5A? You know, honestly, the game that intrigues me the most is Newton at Liberal. Okay, yeah. You know, Newton traditionally doesn't have a great record, but they also traditionally have some some losses that you think, wow, they're right there. I mean, they only lost to Valley Center 20-6. to six. Uh, they lost to campus in a game that, you know, you would think that they would have won. It's just been kind of a normal Newton season, right? They beat Mays 1917, uh, had a couple comfortable wins over Arc City and Salina South. I think that their schedule is going to be uh, well prepared for them. Um, I'm not saying they're going to spur the upset, but it wouldn't completely shock me either. Yeah, I, yeah, Newton's one of those teams we talked about. It's kind of been that way for several years. They always seem to be – in a lot of games, they've just had trouble finishing any of those games. Uh, again, a long road trip. Maybe they can give Liberal trouble in that matchup. Our uh, game time game of the week on Your View and Cox Channel 22. We're going to have a Thursday night edition. Um, and an int- this is one of the more intriguing matchups. Six and two Goddard, the six seed host, the 11 seed, and three and five Mays. Uh, a couple of losses for Mays were without their starting quarterback. He is back and healthy, and uh, Mays throws it around more. They do have a good running back, but they're more pass-heavy. Brad Goddard, I think in eight games, they've thrown it 23 times, so you can do the math there. That's about three passes a game, um, if that. And their coach would prefer zero um, if he could do it. Um, so it's a ground and pound. This is going to be a lot about – possessions when Mays gets the ball they've got to put points on the board when they get an opportunity because if Goddard can move the chains eat time off the clock uh, Mays will get limited possessions so it's going to be intriguing to see now if Mays puts up a couple early scores and you get Goddard behind they're certainly not built to come from behind so that those drastic contrast in style always um, prove to be interesting yeah, especially this time of the year where, uh, you know, it's like, like we said, it's, it's going to I think Friday will still be OK where the, the weather is not going to be overwhelmingly, um, you know, noticeable when it comes to running versus passing. But you and I know what full well at some point in the postseason, there's going to be one of those nights where it's sub freezing, the wind's blowing, mm-hmm. maybe some flurries flying through the air um, at some point, you know, th- those those teams that prefer to run the ball are going to have an advantage. Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, it being Thursday, um, tomorrow, we're recording this on Wednesday, um, supposed to be upper 70s. I know that front's going to come in, but I think that's going to be well after um, the game is over, so no troubles uh, there, I believe. So we venture into 4A um, as I peruse through the bracket. Um, What about – Brad, we, we, we talked about this um, off the air and throughout the week. Bishop Mier is hosting St. James Academy. Um, St. James Academy played a ridiculous schedule, virtually all 6 and 5A. I think they were. I don't know if they played anybody that was a non-5 or 6A team, and I have to look for sure. But I know that gets you ready for the postseason, but – Brad, it gave them a bad enough seed. They have to play a Miege team that already thumped them earlier in the year. I, I think this is kind of backfiring on St. James. Yeah, it definitely did, unfortunately. Uh, you know, some some of those uh, private schools will, will opt for the tough schedule. Uh, I think I used the example last week of Wichita Trinity in uh, soccer. And it definitely has seen the backfire. You know, if St. James can move up, you know, just even one seed, I think they're on the opposite side of the bracket of Miege and Aquinas, and they couldn't end up, you know, winning a few games in the postseason. As it is, it's probably just one and done for St. James. Yeah, that's um, unfortunate, but maybe they'll get to a little bit more reasonable scheduling. Again, the 8-9 Winfield hosting Rose Hill, that's 4-4, four and 3-5. Four, and five. Could be an interesting game. I, I think also just because they've struggled this season, uh, Mac hosting Mulvane, the 7-10 matchup, Mulvane can they can kind of ugly up a game a little bit. They generally play really good defense, and Mac is they just struggled this year. Do you, do you think Mulvane can pull the upset in McPherson? Well, 
I, you know, McPherson's been a, a team we just don't know what we're going to see week to week, uh, and or in last week's case, half to half. They would had maybe their best first half of the or best half of the entire season against Beeler last week, and then they don't. I mean, anything's possible. They they start out three and zero, but they've lost five in a row since. Um, their closest loss in that time was by ten points to Circle. So, it. It would take a pretty good effort by Mulvane. You know, McPherson's probably feeling as good as they have all season after beating Bueller. So, uh, I, I I don't see it. I do see a McPherson-Bueller rematch, though, in the second round. Yeah, I was just going to mention that uh, probably the last team, if you're a Bueller fan, coach, um, whatever, as I know you are, that's the last team you wanted to see sitting on that 7-10 line was McPherson. Well, they kind of had their number for – Oh, I don't know, six, seven years, and I think Bueller won in 2021. But other than that, uh, Mac has really had their number for the better parts of the last seven or eight years. Uh, on one hand, you like to say that they figured th- some things out in the second half. On the other hand, uh, they still lost the game, 28 to 26. So, but uh, you know, knowing Coach Warner and, and uh, Coach Pavlovich, uh, they they are not even thinking about each other right now. They got their. Uh, uh, team focus on this week, but you know that those boys in the uh, the back of their mind, they've got they got one eye kind of looking at each other this weekend. Absolutely, the bottom of the bracket, I, I think, uh, it could be great in the second round. Would be Andover Central and Abilene um, if they meet up, which I, I believe they will. That could be a a really fun second round game. Three A um, always seems to be one of the best classes as far as the playoffs are concerned. And of course we focus a lot on the Western or on part of teams in our area. We already talked a little bit about Heston and Marysville. Uh, Cheney's got Colby in there. I, how about six and two Holcomb hosting a four and four Pratt team that played a really brutal schedule. You think the Greenbacks can make the long trip and come back with a dub? Well, look at who, look who Holcomb has lost to. They lost to Scott City, seven and one, and has not lost to a Kansas team. And Liberal also seven and one. I, I think Holcomb is sneaky good. I think they could end up playing Cheney in the second round. Um, boy, I, I tell you, don't 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 sleep on Holcomb. Um, good team, good coach, good program. Uh, I, you know, could Pratt go out there and win, uh, you know, on the right night? Yeah. But, uh, boys, you know, I look at Cheney and Andale. You know, we're all looking forward to a potential rematch. There are some serious tough games coming up for both of them. Oh, well, that was where I was going to focus next. The bottom two games on that bracket, um, Scott City hosting Smoky Valley. We already talked about that. And then andale hosting hugaton uh, a pretty good hugaton team brand they're the three seed i know out of their district they're six and two and if they beat them which i think they will then eight and one scott city be sitting there i mean that that loss to cheney um really made the road difficult because then you would see potentially collegiate after that before you could get back to cheney so that is about as tough a route as you could draw up for Andale. Well, heck, Rock Creek is a pretty good team. That's who Collegiate could see in the second round. I mean, the only – gosh, I mean, I'm looking at these second-round matchups, Scott. I mean, you could have Clay Center, which gave Andale a decent game last year. Um, I think it was Clay Center who gave him a decent game. Could end up playing a Heston in the second round. You could have Cheney playing Holcomb, Collegiate, and Rock Creek, and Scott City against Andale. If those if those are the four second round matchups, <laughs> take your pick, folks. Go to go go to one of those games. You're not gonna be disappointed. No, absolutely not. Like I said, three A um, typically can turn out some of your best playoff games, even in the first round. But certainly uh, past the first round, as we move into uh, Class Two A, quite a few games here on the. Uh, what we could typically call the eastern side of the bracket being played on Thursday. I see a lot of games um, are moved up or on Thursday. Get down to some of the intriguing matchups. Before we leave that eastern side, Brad, what do you think about Rossville, Riley County? Rossville typically um, a much higher seed. They're just five and three this year in a four and four 
Riley County team going to Rossville. Yeah, Rossville, uh, you know, both those teams generally play pretty good schedules. You know, Rossville lost to Silver Lake. Uh, they've all already lost to Riley County this year, and they also lost to Topeka Hayden. So that 26-20 win over Riley County kind of incidentally uh, didn't really matter for Riley County in terms of a home game because this will be uh, back in Rossville. Yeah, and then uh, sitting right above them, whoever wins that game will probably see defending champ Nemaha Central. They play Pleasant Ridge in the opening round. We already mentioned the – Kingman Hillsborough game that you have and the consolation prize there for the winner will be Southeast of Celine in the second round. Of course, they made a deep run last year until they ran into uh, Andale. Of course, that was in, was that just last year or that's two years ago now? Well, that was last year where Southeast of Celine lost to Kingman in overtime. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, uh, did, were they 3A? Did, were they a team that ran into Andale? Yeah, two years ago, yeah. that's That was the year I was thinking of. Yeah, that was a great game against Kingman last year. But, boy, that would be a great rematch. Uh, Hoisington and Phillipsburg. And then you, you would play the winner of a 4-4 four and four matchup between Beloit and Lake and both 4-4. Four and four. And then a team you already talked about, Garden Plain. Uh, wow, what a turnaround. They get Halstead in the opener, and they could – Boy, what about a second round if Ellsworth gets by Haven? Garden Plain and Ellsworth would be a great second round matchup. Yeah, sure would be. And, you know, Halstead, uh, I think that they can maybe play with Garden Plain a little bit. They've had a really, really tough schedule this year. Uh, you look at their losses Hoisington, Southeast of Saline, Hillsboro, Ellsworth, and Cheney. And uh, last couple of weeks, you know, they only lost 39 to 12 to Cheney and only lost 21 nothing to uh, Ellsworth. I, I'm not sure if they had the horses to win that kind of game against Garden Plain, but uh, I wouldn't rule it. Uh, I wouldn't rule out them, uh, you know, playing with them, though. And one, I think we already kind of talked about if, if Marion gets by Wabunsee, that would be Smith Center awaiting in the second round. Both teams would be eight and one if they win. Smith Center, we figure, will beat Bell Plain. That would be a fantastic. Uh, second round matchup, as would be Conway Springs. They're six and two. They will play two and five Stanton County. They would get the winner of that Sterling Ellis game. Sterling and Conway Springs uh, playing earlier in the year. That would be a rematch. And you could potentially, uh, Sedgwick would potentially play Valley Heights in the second round. And then you already mentioned uh, Plainville team host Hutch Trinity. We get the winner of Medicine Lodge Oakley. So what what else stands out in Class 1A? I mean, that entire Western bracket, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, even even a team like Wabonsi, who's got to go to Marion, I mean, they're usually pretty decent. They only lost to Smith Center 16-14 to this year. Uh, they also have a very good Jefferson County North team, 36-34. to So there's a lot of good matchups, uh, even in the first round, I think, coming up this weekend. Eight-man Division One. Uh, everybody, I think, probably kind of chasing Wichita County here. Let me peruse the bracket a little bit more. Uh, we already talked about Mound Ridge. Um, a potential, the second round, Brad, Mound Ridge would beat Attica Argonia, would be either Oswego or Chase County. Um, five and three, Chase County actually has to go to four and four. Oswego, um, there you got Mead setting down there. Mead and El Saline could both be eight and one if they meet in the second round. That would be a tremendous, tremendous matchup. And they're at the bottom. Wichita County just they have been rolling. How about them and Clifton Clyde in the second round? If that was be the matchup. Yeah, long trip, isn't it? Oh man, <laughs> I have been there. Yeah, yeah. And, I have uh, been. Cliff, and, Cliff and Clyde could potentially have to go all the way out to Leote. So, um, boy, yeah, they're they're they're, uh, they're kind of like a lot of the other brackets. Got there's some good looking matchups down the road. Uh, one team to kind of watch out for is Topeka Caraparavel. I think they're another school that's getting ready to go to eleven man football next year. Uh, they were right there with Linden before an injury happened late in the game, a serious injury, and they just decided. To uh, I think let's see the final score of that game was 
uh, 58 to 30. So it wasn't quite as close as I thought it was. But uh, again, the game was ended a little bit early due to an injury. But watch out for Care Paravel, uh, a good team that uh, could could end up uh, surprising some teams. Well, in the eight-man division, too, we already talked about the potential of uh, Canton Galva and Frankfurt in the second round. And uh, if Hutch Central Christian, pretty good season again for Central Christian. Five and three, they host five and three St. Paul. If they get by that, uh, undefeated Axtell would be uh, awaiting them. That would probably be a pretty pretty brutal night for Central Christian, but they would love to have, of course, that opportunity. How good do you think uh, chance of Victoria advancing deep? They're six and one. Second round matchup again could be um, Hodgman County or South Barberg, and that would be an intriguing second round matchup. I think Victoria, I think they could make a run. Yeah, I think Sharon Springs would probably be their best competition in that quadrant of the bracket. And then, you know, Mineola put up a, a century mark last week and they went over Dighton. So they're, they're kind of looking like the, the potential favorite out west right now. Uh, Thunder Ridge is pretty good usually, too. So we'll have to wait and see about that. But um, uh, I, I like Mineola to make it through and play Axtell. And then Central Plains, they've had a good season. Um, they actually have to travel to Thunder Ridge. Central Plains ended up um, six and two, and I know it doesn't sound like a lot, Brad, but St. John Hudson at three and five. It's been a long yeah. time since they've had multiple wins um, in a season, so I think finally that program is kind of on the way back. I I look for the season to end, unfortunately for them, um, this week at undefeated Mineola, but I, I think. You and, you and I can remember when St. John was 11-man and going undefeated in the regular season. So I, it, it's good to see them back on the right track. Yeah, absolutely. And I knew that they had the, the opportunity. Uh, tough schedule really didn't result in as many wins as you were hoping uh, with Maxville and, and, and Wichita County and South Barbara and Kinsley. I mean, they, they played some of the best teams in eight-man this year. But still, they got a few wins, including a nice overtime win over their rivals. And then our final classification class uh, six man, uh, you got Waverly undefeated. There's a lot of buys here in six man. They were down a few teams this year, which you and I both hope um, we can see rebound here in the next few years. Uh, Cunningham, the defending champions, they're eight and one. They get a buy. They'll play the winner of um, Center Southern Cloud. Look down at the bottom of Ashland is getting a bye. They are eight and one on the season. They'll play uh, Tri Plains Brewster. There's a kind of a double bye there, both teams into the second round. And then Shy Lynn um, also setting undefeated. They're nine and no. They're going to play the winner of Moscow and uh, Tribune Greeley County. Um, who stands out there? Of course, um, we're looking at the two undefeateds there. And um, Shy Lynn and then Ashland with just one loss and Waverly undefeated and then Cunningham with one loss. Do you think it comes down to those four? Uh, most likely. I think Shy Lynn, uh, uh, having beaten Ashland, which beat Cunningham, is probably the favorite right now. Northern Valley is a pretty decent team. They could match up with Ashland in the quarterfinals. I don't think Shy Lynn gets challenged until the semifinal round at the earliest. Uh, same thing with Cunningham and Waverly. I think they both uh, smoke the competition and then meet up in the semifinals. Well, that's our kind of brief look through there. And each week we'll kind of we'll get a little more in-depth when we get some more of the intriguing matchups. Again, Ad Astra schedule um, online at adastraradio.com on the sports page. So as we move into the college game, Brad, the Sterling Warriors are going to play their final home game of the season this weekend um, when they host St. Mary. Again, weather looking um, upper 30s, maybe raining throughout the game, blowing, um, and the Warriors limp home after a 55-17 to 17 loss at Ottawa. It was a strange game, Brad. Uh, it actually ended up like I thought it was going to when the game started, but at halftime I didn't think it was going to be there, but it ended up getting there. Um, <laughs> they gave up 14 points in a blink of an eye, Um a three and out, a punt into the wind, a short field touchdown. 
two of those in a row and you're looking up and you're thinking, oh goodness, this could really get out of hand. And then they did what they've done sometimes this year, Brad, the defense got their back up. The offense was able to take advantage of a, a block punt to get it to 14-7. Um, they made a rare pass play of the day, touchdown. They had to, had this thing tied at 14. Unfortunately, they gave up a, a late first half touchdown on a fourth down. Ottawa went for it from about the Sterling 40. Got Sterling to jump into the neutral zone through the deep ball with the free play. Now, I'd love to see the video again. Looked a lot like a clear push off by the offensive player. Um, no flag was thrown. They get the touchdown, 21-14, and then the second half, uh, nothing could get going for the Warriors. And it, it snowballed in a big hurry and got out of hand in a hurry. And uh, St. Mary um, has shown the ability to put points on the board. They've got three wins this season. They've played in a few close games with some of the better teams. It's going to be um, – it just comes down to, Brad, we can X and O it and talk all about that. But until this team can come out and play four quarters of football, uh, those wins are going to be elusive. Yeah, we were talking about this before we started recording that. It was just a couple of years ago where a lot of this was happening, where they would have um, a really good stretch during the game. Uh, maybe they were down, you know, 24 to 7 at halftime. And next thing you turn around and it's 20, 24 to 21. And then they end up losing, you know, 48 to 21 or something like that. Um, where they, you know, and that happened again, as you said, on Saturday, you know, it's they're, they're down really quickly. They come back. It's a game at halftime. If they can get a stop to start the third quarter, maybe tie the game. But uh, it just got away from them so quickly. And, you know, you look at the stats, only 191 yards of offense, uh, four out of 16 on third down, 0 2 on fourth down. Uh, just. You know, once again, you know, the 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 penalties were, weren't as bad this time. Only six for 45. Only uh, looks like one fumble that they lost. Uh, no interceptions. So they did some of those mistakes. So they cut out some of those mistakes that they've been having. But, you know, it just, like you said, just it's just snowballed on them so quickly on Saturday. Yeah, nine punts is not going to get it done. Um, and that seems to be the, right around that nine to ten punts per game uh, when you look at final stats. So, Again, final home game, then they're going to be at Avila and at Kansas Wesleyan to wrap up the season. So um, if you're looking for that uh, second win of the season, I think it's this week or next week. K-Dub's got a real good team waiting um, in the final week. Who's St. Mary just played the three points, so you never know. But uh, that game will be at 1 o'clock on Saturday, 95-9 pregame at 1230 and also the Jayhawks back in action, Brad, after their bye week. And they play a Oklahoma team who comes in escaping Central Florida last week. Had to stop Central Florida two-point conversion um, that would have fo forced overtime uh, down in Norman last week to escape 31-29. Uh, the last I looked as far as Jalen Daniels' availability – as playing in this game, Brad, was in the neighborhood of somewhere between questionable and doubtful. Um, it's kind of what Lance Leipold was indicating. I think I read that on um, either late Monday or early Tuesday. What do you think of this game on Saturday? Again, the, it looks like the weather could be terrible. Um, if KU doesn't have Jalen Daniels, uh, Jason Bean, Again, I think he can keep him in the game. I, I just don't know that they can win the game unless uh, a healthy Jalen Daniels plays. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to say. If, if Daniels plays, it's probably a little less than about a 50% chance I'll give Kansas to win that game. But without Daniels, uh, you know, 75-25 maybe uh, that Kansas is going to lose that game. They're just going to have to play, you know, pretty much a spotless game, run the ball well. Bean's going to have to take care of the ball and, you know, he, again, he played very well a couple weeks ago against Oklahoma State. But here's one thing is, you know, let's not forget, Kansas has actually been pretty good at home this year. So that's not something that maybe they can uh, can hold their hat on a little bit is that they've been good at home, uh, almost beat Oklahoma two years ago in Lawrence. So uh, it's just kind of a bummer that as good as Jalen Daniels is, it seems like once again that his availability week to week is – it. at this point, I'm not sure we're going to see him again this season, Scott. Yeah, I mean, you thought all this time – 
um, if if the back was is was going to improve to where he could play and play healthy, it would have happened with the extra week and it just um, as we feared was going to be a season long thing, and it looks like it will be because you look at this game, you just you feel like this program. You know, we were talking. Can they get to seven, eight wins this season and not be six and six or sitting at five and two? Um, if they don't beat Oklahoma, then they go to a rapidly improving Iowa State team the next week, come home and what would almost be uh, a must win if they didn't get the Iowa State game against Texas Tech, who has um, played well at times but is struggling. And then, of course, um, K State, who seemed to rebound as they pounded TCU this last week. And then they go to Cincinnati. Um, so if you're looking at more than six wins uh, and you don't get Oklahoma, things are going to get a little little dicey, especially if it's a, a season that's going to not include Jalen Daniels if they want to be at six and six, seven and five when this regular season wraps up. Does any other team in the Big 12 play both Texas and Oklahoma this year? <laughs> I would like to see that. Isn't this one of those years you're you're just crying to have Baylor on that schedule? Yeah, yeah. And Kansas instead gets uh, both Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, is what it is. Can't do much about it. But um, yeah. Uh, you know, like you said, Iowa State's kind of uh, turned things around a little bit. They're now uh, with three and one in Big Twelve play. Um, you, you just hope that if you just hope that the that the snowball effect doesn't start occurring, they start dropping games left and right. Uh, do I expect them to beat Oklahoma? No. Uh, but it would be nice to see them, you know, play well this weekend and then kind of carry that up to, to Ames and get a win there. Yeah, I mean, you feel like if, if Daniels was healthy, this is the kind of game that this program needs. They need a signature win against a, a ranked, highly ranked opponent. Um, I think they can be competitive. Would I be shocked if they won the game? No, I, I, I do not expect them as you did win the game. And it's an early kick. It's going to be 11 o'clock kick. Um, so we'll see how the Jayhawks can do this weekend. A- anything else major college-wise uh, jump off the page to you last week? Uh, USC loses again. Utah gets them. Hee hee. I kind of enjoyed the end of that ball game. Uh, anything else major college jump off the page to you last weekend? I mean, major college-wise, not really. I don't get a chance to watch many Saturday games because I'm usually out on the road. But, um, you know, I think that what we're seeing is that we're starting to see some separation with the top, the, the, the contenders and the pretenders. I think it's now down to about a 10-team a race for the, for the top four with Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Texas, Oregon, Alabama, and Penn State. Maybe if Ole Miss or Utah or something like that can pull off, uh, you know, get get a big win, they can maybe start nudging their way up. But I think that's just uh, the biggest takeaway is we're starting to see some separation now. Yeah, I think that this the field is rapidly shrinking as we move forward. Hey, and Brad, don't forget about my undefeated Air Force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, go Air Force. <laughs> go Air Force. Seven and uh, seven and zero, oh, Brad. They took out a a pretty decent Navy team quietly undefeated uh, there in Colorado Springs, an Air Force team that I love to watch play football. Well, fill us in. Brad didn't get to look everything up. The Blue Dragons uh, back in action last weekend. How did that work out? Well, they jumped out to a 20 to nothing lead on Garden City, and you're thinking game over. And then next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter, and it's uh, Garden City scores, and it's a 20 to 18 game. They're going for, uh, you know, to tie the game. Uh, they failed in the conversion, and, Gar- and Hutch goes down, and they score uh, a touchdown, and they end up winning 27-18, to 18, win by two possessions. A couple of red zone turnovers uh, by the Blue Dragons. It was coming off a of bye week, so they maybe looked a little bit uh, ragged at times, I guess. Um, a couple tricky road games coming up with Independence and Highland. Actually, I think I got it backwards. I think it's Highland, then Independence. Uh, but a couple tricky road games coming up for the Blue Dragons, especially in the aftermath of that uh, – you know, again, when a team like Hutch is up 20 to nothing on a, you know, an unranked team like Garden City, you, you think game over. But uh, next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter and uh, it's game on. And what's Highland's record going into this matchup? Highland has actually had a pretty decent season. <laughs> they had one of the strangest wins of the season 
when they beat Garden City out in Garden City, three nothing. <laughs> three nothing. Yeah, and Highland is six and three right now. Uh, they've won four in a row. Admittedly, not against very good competition. Uh, they beat. Uh, let's see. Uh, they start out by beating someone called Gordon's Fine Arts and Sports Academy. Then they beat Ellsworth out of Iowa, who's not very good. Then they beat Independence ten to seven. That was their best win in this uh, stretch. Actually, it's a five game stretch where they start out by beating Garden City, and then they beat someone called Community Christian out of Michigan. So, but still, five wins is five wins in a row. You know that they're look. You, you know that they're liking the way they're playing. So let's re- recap what I just said there, Scott. In these last five games, Highland's given up a grand total of seven points. Wow. Uh, again, bad weather. Hutch built to play in bad weather? Uh, defensively, and they do have a pretty decent run game. Uh, you know, these last couple of seasons when, when they had like Dylan Leibel and C.J. Ogbonna and Malik Benson, you know, the, the run-pass ratio is probably about, you know, pro- probably close to two to one in favor of passing. This year, they're running the ball a lot more and doing it successfully. Uh, that's good because uh, – could, could you see this being a, a, a 17-14, 17-10 type of game if, if the weather does turn south and it, it just really does affect the ball game? Well, based on these teams' defenses, absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, you could see a big defensive touchdown in this game for somebody that could really swing it. Um, again, do I expect Hutch to win this game? Yeah, I do. But, you know, Highlands also, is, it's, it's a little bit of a road trip. It's a noon kickoff, so Hutch is probably going to go up the night before. Uh, and like I said, you know, Highlands won five in a row. And even though it may not be against great competition, uh, you know they're feeling pretty good about things right now. Well, and you know they got this one circled and circled again and then highlighted um, on their schedule. That could make Highlands season. And as Brad said, that will be a noon kickoff on Saturday. Then they go to Independence before hosting Iowa Western to fill out the schedule. Well, Brad, or, or speaking of separation, as we move into the NFL, that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs have done in the division, Brad. I, I know they've only played seven games or six and one. They have a three-game lead already in the division after defeating the, I still want to say San Diego, Brad, the Los Angeles Chargers there at Arrowhead on Sunday afternoon, 31-17. And about as polar opposite of halves of football that you could watch. I mean, that first half, uh, after the early stretch in the ball game, it was just whatever team had the balls was going to score. Um, and you thought, holy cow, it was uh, 24-17 at halftime. You thought this game could both teams would probably be easily into the 40s. And I tell you, kudos to the defensive coordinators in this game. Each team came out, turned it over on their first possession when it looked like each team was going to get points. And then after that, uh, team struggled just to get a first down. And the thing I like best about this game, Brad, is when the Kansas City wrapped this game up, it was because of all three phases of football. The defense gets a big stop. And then welcome back to Kansas City, McCole Hardman. He makes a fantastic punt return. The offense finishes it off. And then the defense just takes care of things by um, just harassing Justin Herbert. And, and, and they, they got a big win on Sunday. Yeah, sorry for that bet MGM commercial there. Uh, we don't get any kind of compensation for that. Unfortunately, <laughs> they kind of leaked in there. I was, I was bringing up the NFL website here. But yeah, it was a uh, you know obviously it was a good win for the Chiefs. Um, I I don't want to go as far as saying that the the division is over, but uh, I mean at this point, how can you say that it's it's not? I mean, you know the Chiefs are. I I just don't know, Scott. I mean, how how can we say that the, this is still a a, a competitive uh, division because it's not? I mean, the, the 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 Chiefs have pretty much got this all locked up already, and. They, 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 they're, they're, they're winning these games primarily with defense too, Scott. That's something that's got to be scary for a lot of these teams. But more than that, what, what has happened to the Chargers for about the 30th straight year? <laughs> they've been declared the preseason um, AFC champions or at least AFC West champions. Scott, if I'm Justin Herbert, we talked about this last week. Is he better than he was as a rookie? We don't think he is. Brandon Staley's got, Brandon Staley has to be on the hot seat, right? 
I, I would think so. And with that in mind, if you're Justin Herbert, you know, are you going to let Justin Herbert maybe have a pretty big say in, in if Brandon Staley gets fired? Are you going to get how much of a say you're going to give Justin Herbert in, in selecting the new head coach? I'm going to give him a pretty big say, I think. I think I would. Uh, has anybody lost more close games than a Charger? I think it was their first game this season. It wasn't a one-score game. And, and just to refresh everybody's memory, coming into that game, the Chargers were two and three. Yeah, they um, – I think every game had been a one possession game there. I, I just, I, I don't, they're, they're one of those teams. I just don't understand why they're not better. Uh, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the fact that they're two and four right now, but uh, I, I just don't understand how they're not better. I, I don't either. Um, it's a head scratcher. And, and the thing about the chiefs, like you said, people should be scared that defense. Unfortunately, Nick Bolton just gets back. Now he looks like he's out with a dislocated wrist, six to eight weeks. Uh, I guess the, the the bright spot there is that would be in time to play a couple, three games, potentially before the playoffs. He's so good, but they were really good without him. They were awesome with him. So that's, that's a blow. But I think this offense is continuing to get better. And McCole Hardman, um, he'll have, he had a big catch on that last touchdown drive. Uh, They'll get him more acclimated. That gives him that real breakaway threat. Another guy, as we saw in the return game. I, I think this team's continuing to get better. Do you, do you think they stay focused? I, I hate the, when they have to go to Denver, Brad. I know they usually come out with a win, but it's usually an ugly win. Do you see it being any different this next week? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think the Chargers or the Broncos are probably feeling a little bit better after – that that incredible victory over the Bears over the weekend, <laughs> or what? No, it was the Packers. Wasn't it the Packers? Yeah, Packers, yeah, yeah, nineteen to seventeen. So uh, a, a a ghastly win there for the Broncos. But yeah, I mean, that yeah, it it, it it's kind of like the the Chargers. They always seem to be a close game. The Chiefs always seem to find a way to win. I mean, in a perfect world, do we hope that the Chiefs go out and win this game, thirty four to thirteen? Yeah, uh, is it going to happen? Probably not. You know, it's probably one of those games where both teams kind of struggle in the first half. Chiefs lead it, you know, 13 to 10 at the break, and Chiefs will have the ball to go up 10. They can't do it. Charger, or then the Broncos have the ball, a chance to tie or go up. They can't do it. And then the next thing you know, the Chiefs are up, you know, 23 to 13 or 23 to 10. They win it like 23 17 or something like that. Yeah, that, 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 that's kind of what I'm thinking um, could happen on Sunday. Uh, as we look around the rest of the NFL, Brad, all, all is, you and I had to do was pronounce we thought Detroit was the best team in the NFC, and they go out and just absolutely get drubbed by the Ravens. I think it was 38-6, to six, if I remember right, putting the Ravens now um, at 5-2. and two. That's the Lions' second loss. Uh, the good news for the Chiefs, Brad, uh, the Dolphins, uh, they lose – to the or excuse me um, to the Eagles this past weekend, so now they have two losses. The Bills um, shockingly lose to a pretty bad Patriot team, so now they have three losses. So uh, the Bengals have three losses. Um, the Steelers and Browns are both four and two. I don't know that either you or I are bought into either of those teams. The Jaguars. Um, setting there at five and two, but the Chiefs, when you look at the broad picture now, I know they still got the Bills and the Dolphins and a tough schedule coming up. They're, they're a game in front for that number one seed right now. I know it's awful early, but um, you like seeing these other powers take some of these early losses. And the thing about the Chiefs that we've kind of seen through the years, you know, do, do they play a lot of close games? Yeah. Do they play close games against teams that you think, you know, wow, that was, why was that a close game? Example, the Texans last year, one of the worst teams in the NFL, and the Chiefs needed overtime to beat them. The Colts were awful last year. Chiefs lost to them. But those, but those kind of losses like to teams like the Colts are the exception, right? They're, they're, they're not the rule. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bills are just struggling right now, and I, I, I don't know why, Scott. Um, you know, Josh Allen just does not look good. Uh, the Bengals, I think, maybe have righted the ship a little bit. Is it going to be too little too late where they – you know, get a wild card and, you know, the Ravens are just the, the class of the North. 
I, I don't know. But, the, you know, the, the, the thing about the Chiefs is their consistency. And when I say consistency, I mean consistently winning. It's not always pretty, but they don't really lose that many games. They don't lose many games, period. But they definitely don't drop. I can't imagine them going to New England and losing. Just can't even think about it. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. And the other other thing that we saw, Brad, uh, welcome to the lineup, Charles Aminahue. He was He was a beast against the Chargers. That guy is making that defense and that defensive line even better. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, the defensive line, uh, you know, you know, we, we've said before, what are the three most important commodities for a team? Number one is quarterback. Number two is pass rush. Number three is quarterback protection. And Scott, I think the chiefs got all three of them right now. I think they do. Um, so we'll see again, going to Denver, I believe that again is in the, excuse me, late afternoon, uh, time slot. And then, again, only one team with one loss in the NFC, and that's, again, um, the Eagles. They rebound, beat the Dolphins after losing um, the week before to the Jets. So, as usual, I mean, week to week, um, you can pronounce a team the best in the league. They'll take a loss, and then they'll bounce back with a big win the next week. So, we'll, we'll keep track, of course, of the Chiefs and the rest of the NFL well, it is a World Series time for, for for MLB, Brad, and everybody uh, figuratively raise your hands if you had the D-backs and Rangers playing in this year's World Series. The D-backs, the sixth seed, the Rangers, the five seed. I'm sure a lot of people had this World Series matchup when the playoffs began. <laughs> yeah, and I know some people are kind of pissing and moaning about it. Oh, no, this is it's getting too watered down the playoffs. Shut up. I mean, come on. It's uh, I think more people want to see the expanded playoffs. I don't think we're going to see more of what we have right now uh, with maybe the exception of an extra wild card round or something like that. I don't know. I did kind of like that uh, three division winners got to buy. Then you got the two wild cards and a one off to, to decide who joins the rest of them. But, you know, it kind of is what it is right now. But uh, we'll uh, I, 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 I don't have a problem. It's, uh, it's always refreshing to see different teams, I think. Are most of those pissing and moaning Phillies fans? actually no it's actually just like national people kind of complaining about it huh interesting it should should be a, an intriguing series and one thing i wanted to go back to in that rangers series brad um the way that mlb hands down um suspensions and fines you're gonna have to explain this to me maybe you can help me out here it was i believe a game five of the rangers astros series there was a relief pitcher um for the astros that got uh kicked out of the game i believe for throwing at one of the rangers batters um initially he, he gets a uh two game suspension handed down um he appeals it and while you're appealing it, you can continue to play. So he's eligible to play, and I think he did actually play in game six. Well, he loses the appeal, Brad. But then they say, well, you can just you can do that suspension at the first two games of next season. <laughs> now, 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 correct me if I'm wrong. Now, help me, help me figure this out. It's a two-game suspension. Isn't correct me if I'm wrong? Wasn't the Astros their season still continuing? Yeah. I mean, I, as far as I know, yeah. And shouldn't that start immediately after the denial I, of the appeal? I would think. It, somebody help me. This is this is asinine. I mean, and then when you hand down, I've seen this in the regular season. They suspend a starting pitcher for four games. Oh, I just made That's one start. That's great. <laughs> I won't miss a start. I mean, <laughs> shouldn't that be different? I mean, Help me with this. I mean, this was this was ridiculous. Now, of course, he'll have to he'll he'll have the first two games next year, and with a relief pitcher, you know who cares? Um, what are they What are they doing? I don't know. I mean, baseball's always been kind of wonky like this, where you know you see these weird. I, I don't know. I mean, you know the the sport that doesn't have their uh, all time hits leader in the Hall of Fame or their all time home runs leader in the Hall of Fame. Uh, 
and we can argue about that all uh, all day. But the sport that does not have that is just it, it's it's an odd sport, and of course, not many people don't even have access to watch the games anymore. So maybe they think people don't care. They can just do. I, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, since we're on baseball, Brad, I've got some I've got some really good trivia, and then kind of a, a salute. Um, for baseball. So you ready for a little trivia? Let's do it. All right. Two players in Major League Baseball history have hit 15 home runs in less than 50 postseason games. Only two. Can you name either or both? 15 home runs in less than 50 at-bats? 50 postseason games. Okay. 15 home runs in less than 50 postseason games. Yep. Two players all time. I will, I'll give you a hint. One is modern era. One is not. Oh, I would guess maybe someone like Jose Altuve. Uh, nope. Okay. Um, Let's say I'll, I'll give you a real good hint on the current, current one. One played in this postseason. Bryce Harper? Correct. He is. Okay. And then the other one, Brad, this will probably give it away. Most considered probably the greatest home run hitter of all time. Well, I would say that was probably Hank Aaron then. Babe Ruth. Oh, Babe Ruth. Okay. Would be your second. Actually, before you said anything, I was going to guess Mickey Mantle, but. Yeah. Those have all been good guesses, but yeah. When Bryce Harper did it this postseason, um, in less than the 50th, game he played in the postseason he became only the second player I, I thought that there would be a few more in there but just the two that's pretty you can say it's rarefied air when you're when you're in a club of two yeah yeah and uh, just kind of shows how good of a player Bryce Harper is and you know it, it's it, it's not always easy Scott to kind of be you know recognized as the 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 next big thing the next big phenom and to live up to that height and you know Bryce Harper kind of has yeah he re- he really has, uh, and maybe uh, they'll get back to Phillies again. Will next season? And here's one, Brad. This this one kind of blew my mind. The Kansas City Royals, um, in their history, they have drafted three Hall of Famers. Can you name the three? Okay, the Royals have. The Royals have drafted three Hall of Famers. This is a little bit of a trick question, but we'll see if you can get it. This one blew my mind. Well, obviously, George Brett. George Brett. Um, is Lou Pinella in the Hall of Fame? Um, no, I don't believe yeah. Well, it's got to be a couple of guys that we just, you know, kind of <laughs> tossed aside, I guess, and they became incredible players. Uh, this, this is a trick question. I don't think you'll – Yeah, ever- I, I figured it was because they probably drafted uh, – well, John Elway was drafted by the Royals, wasn't he? Correct. He is one. Was was Dan Marino drafted by the Royals? You are very good, my man. It's George Brett, <laughs> Dan Marino, and John Elway. I didn't say baseball Hall of Famers. Yeah. <laughs> well, I started thinking. I was, I'm trying to think like to back to the late '80s. Maybe the Royals drafted someone and got rid of them, and then it kind of hit me. Wait, you know, man, you know, John Elway might be the answer here. Yeah, that is correct. I saw that and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" They drafted one that got into the baseball Hall of Fame and two that went to the NFL. Hall of Fame. Yep, that I saw that one. That was blows my mind. I think we all believe uh, Bo Jackson would have been in that had he played um, long enough. He might be in two Hall of Fames had he played long enough. And the other thing that came out of this postseason, and this this one, Brad. Uh, typically, when you talk about umpires, it's usually something they have done wrong. Got to give a shout out to Lance Barkdale. He was the home plate umpire. Game five for the Phillies versus the Diamondbacks. In the entirety of that game, Brad, there were 129 pitches that were taken, which means either not swung at or fouled off or put into play. He called 128 of them correctly as a ball or a strike. According to the chart, you know, that little box you see come up on the screen in some games. Only one call that that box had a little bit low in a way he called a strike. I, I just thought that was incredible um, to have that much and that great of accuracy behind the plate that he got 128 of 129 
taken pitches called correctly. That I think that deserves some recognition. So you're saying he's better than Angel Hernandez? Uh, slightly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, calling balls and strikes is one of the most difficult things, I think, to do in sports because of the number of borderline pitches. I mean, think about the number of times when maybe the edge of the baseball touches that uh, that that grid, but it's a strike. I mean, that's, that's a strike because the ball touched it, and they get it right. I mean, it's just absolutely remarkable. I think that uh, it, it's a difficult thing to do, and to see that kind of uh, accuracy uh, really speaks to the volumes of speaks to the volume of how good that umpire is. So again, I, I'm certainly hoping that that that, that individual is uh, part of the World Series crew. It's hard to imagine that he would not be uh, being that proficient at calls, but you never know. That's all taken care of by MLB. But hopefully, um, he will be back behind the plate for the World Series. Uh, that's the the gist of the regular topics I had this week, Brad. So we'll move on to your final thoughts. Well, I was kind of writing some cross-country stuff for Ad Asher Radio's website tonight and kind of stumbled into something that uh, I never really noticed before. Maybe, or maybe I did. I just kind of took it for granted. In 2017, Bueller's boys didn't even make it to the state meet. Since then, state champion, state champion, State champion, state champion, state runner-up. And where and where are they ranked this year? Number one, going into state at Wamigo this weekend, and they uh, I think at regionals, uh, Scott they finished with seventeen points. Yeah, and in cross country, I think the bare minimum is, is it fifteen? Well, the top five. If you got first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, what is that? Just add all those together. That's so yeah, five. So what? Nine, nine, nine and five, uh, fifteen. Yeah. So yeah, uh, fifteen points. 15. And they got seventeen at regionals. Yeah. <laughs> they they had runners in the top ten that didn't even figure into the team total. I think they had someone finish in ninth place. And uh, hey, guess what, kid? You're you you can't even get you can't even get your top ten finish in the team total. So your your team is so good. So. Uh, just a remarkable um, run of success by by Bueller Cross Country. Uh, uh, the one kind of unfortunate thing about them this weekend, uh, running at state at Wamigo, who's the defending state champion? Wamigo. Yeah, uh, their top runner. He's the regional champion, Lane Whistler. We've talked about him on this show. That um, we're great close friends with um, with his family. Um, him and then um, our nephew that runs at Circle, Brad, he was regional champion um, as well. Uh, it's Blake Logan. Lane Whistler is the number one runner there at Bueller. Both regional champions. Uh, I think those two, well, I tell you what, Brad, that they could certainly battle out for the top spot um, this weekend um, there at Wamigo. And I think, Brad, unless, unless something strange happens i think bueller uh gonna be hoisting the hardware um and another state championship i just i just think they're the they're the best team but i i'm i'm really really anxious to see how those two young men do and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that next week i'm sure yeah it just kind of it just you know i'm going back and researching how they've done in all state it just boggled my mind that in 17 they didn't even make it to state uh, the, the, the team didn't make it and since then, four state championships, a runner-up finish, and now the number one team in the state. Yeah, that is uh, that's pretty pretty severe dominance there by Bueller um, here in the last five six years. So uh, good luck to everybody. And again, we hope the weather will hold out um, Saturday there in Wamigo that they don't have to run in the rain and the cold. But uh, but they sure could. That'll that'll be a challenge for those young men and those young ladies. Well, Brad, you know, every once in a while in in your life and in your uh, in your in your career and your and your passions, you get to do something that um, you never thought you'd get to do. And that happened to me on Friday night uh, this past week. Uh, not only um, have I gotten the opportunity um, <clears throat> to work some TV games the last couple of years for high school there in the Wichita area, we we had Northwest Hoaching. Uh, Manhattan, which was kind of the, one of the premier games in the state last week in Class 6A. But we had the unreal opportunity uh, at halftime to get an interview with Northwest High alum and current starting running back for the New York Jets, uh, Brees Hall. Uh, 
we had heard from their coach earlier in the week that he, with the Jets on their bye week, he was going to be there. Um, and we had discussed, well, if he'd be willing to, we're going to see if we could get an interview. Brad, I tell you what, if all professional athletes um, were as courteous and humble as this young man, he's just 22 years old. If they were all like he was, Brad, I tell you, we, nobody would have anything bad to say about sports. Um, he was more than gracious when we, we just got the visit. He had done a little interview with Channel 12 bef- before the game. We got to visit with him just for a while, just just visit before the game. And he was uh, credited God with where he is in his life and everything that um, he's gone through has happened for a reason. And, and God's just given him this great ability. And he's just been so blessed to be able to use it. He came over in the middle of the second quarter, sat down, was watching the replays, um, just having a great time and just a fantastic interview. I think uh, I, I put the pictures on um, Facebook, um, the selfies and everything. Of course, we had to have that. I think I sent some to you even that that evening. Um, but what just what an experience it was. Um, he led the nation in rushing at Iowa State as a sophomore and now um, – we see what he's doing with the Jets, and it was just an incredible opportunity. I'm going to remember for a long time, and I tell you what, if if, if you ever get to meet this young man, you'll you'll be you'll be happy you did. He's he's a great young man. Yeah, I've actually I've never heard anything bad about Brees Hall. Um, I know that he, uh, I think he played basketball maybe with Brian Chadwick, who is the husband of Joanna Chadwick, a longtime journalist with Wichita Eagle and good friend of mine teaching at derby and uh, i believe uh she still stays in touch and uh the family stays in touch and i've never heard anything bad about the young man uh definitely you know represents wichita well much like barry sanders did maybe it's maybe something about those wichita kids uh maybe not all of them but uh you know definitely has produced a good run of running backs in the nfl yeah it certainly has and, and you look in the in the picture uh, uh, that we had when we were interviewing him he's about as tall as i am we're about the same height i tell you what put together brad he's about 205 210 or that's what he's listed as and with with the speed he's got um, he's, he came back from a torn acl in his rookie season about halfway through he's 100 percent, and um, certainly wishing him the best i hope we get a chance to um, do something like that again but again that's just something that uh, again god's afforded me the opportunity to do and um, we took full advantage of it and and just i think i will always I will always remember that. That was just such a fantastic thing on Friday. Yeah, you never get those those opportunities. Like, um, you know, a chance I got to cover a Chiefs game once and got to interview Tony Gonzalez in the locker room after the game and mm. getting to interview Andy Dirks when he played for the Detroit Tigers. You know, got to go to Coffin Stadium and talk to him. Yeah, definitely. Those, those are the experiences that you appreciate. Absolutely. So uh, good luck to Brees and the Jets. He's, uh, I think, my new f- – most favorite NFL running back after last Friday. I'll certainly pay close attention to the Jets. Well, that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back next week. We'll break down all the first round playoff action and the college game and the Chiefs game as well. But for tonight, for Brad Hallier, this is Scott Hogan. God bless. We'll see you next week.